Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Course Correction with me, your host, Michelle. This week is going to be pretty deep. Um, I spoke with Virginia Griffin, who is the author of the book Phoenix Rising. And in that book, she shares a lot of trauma and healing. So we kind of get into why she wrote the book, how she was feeling at the time, and what real life experiences led her to that. But I also share a lot about my personal life and some of the things that I'm going through. So I hope you guys enjoy it. If you are interested in catching up on some past episodes, just go over to www.betweenusgirlspodcast.com and you can check out the whole catalog there. Um, I spoke to Sharonda last night and I think she might be coming back. So I'm hoping that we can get her back um, around Christmas so that we can party together at the ugly sweater party. So be watching us on social media so that you can get in the know for that. And if you're interested in what happened between me and Virginia, then just keep on listening. Okay, so why don't you tell me what your zodiac sign is so that I can properly stereotype you? Oh, <laughs> Um, I'm a Gemini. Uh, I'm not your stereotypical Gemini in regards to um, uh, the wishy-washiness mm. or, you know, the thing, the only thing that, because um, I don't really get into the zodiac signs or whatever, mm-hmm. but just from things that I've been told um, from other people who have opinions of, you know, zodiac signs, I do not fit. Uh, mine um, except for the creativity part um, you know because I play the piano and they, you know, I did that professionally for ooh, about 20 years wow tell me about yeah. that what was that like how did you get started uh, doing that and why don't you do it anymore well I started um, playing the piano at daycare actually a lady that um, was I guess trying to build up her clientele um, would go to different daycares in the area, and she took to me, and I took to the piano, and it just so happened that my mom always wanted one of her children to play the piano, mm-hmm. and so once she found out about that, and then I I, I vaguely remember the conversation, because I was so young, I think I was like three or four. Yeah. Um, I vaguely remember the conversation of the lady telling my mother that I took to it like a duck to water. And that was the end of that. Like the lesson started and around the age of 11, I started playing for the church that I grew up at. And so um, it just started from there. Um, initially, I only played for churches. And then... Uh, Later on, I got, you know, I'm, I love all kinds of music. And so later on, I wanted to venture off into, you know, playing other genres. Mm-hmm. But my mother was not going for it. Mm, she wanted <laughs> you to stick to, like, the church. She wanted me to stick. She had this thing, like, you know, Mahalia Jackson only sang gospel and you should only use your gift, you know, for the glorification of God, which I understand. Yeah. Um, but I guess once she saw later on, because I had a major tragedy happen in life, and after that, um, you know, music was my only avenue for getting through and for generating income. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I had no choice. I started helping, you know, do beats with people, you know, just outsourcing myself everywhere, weddings, funerals, um, 
fun, you know, like functions where they just wanted soft music play. Yeah. So you just come through and, and, um, tickle the ivories for everybody. Right. Right. Cause I actually, I actually learned classical music initially before I learned, um, you know, gospel Mm -hmm. and yeah. So, you know, once my mother saw that it was still, you can still give glorification to whom you serve. It doesn't have to just be limited to a certain genre of music. She was head on heels. Yeah. <laughs> Supportive. So that's good. So you said that you experienced a traumatic event. So it, is this something that happened in childhood or early adulthood? Um, well, the trauma, my life has been a series of events, <laughs> <laughs> right? As far as with the music, the the main tragedy was uh, the death of my son, right? Which kind of and, was the catalyst too for writing your book, right? Right, right. And so, um, you know, dealing with that and just the really dark place that I was in, mm-hmm. music was like the only thing that kind of kept me on this side yeah. of reality. You know what I mean? An because anchor, if you will, kind of to keep you from drowning in that. Right. Because mm-hmm. yeah, I was spiraling very bad. And people noticed, but nobody really noticed. Because I've always been good at disguising what I'm feeling mm-hmm. or putting on this brave face. And so, you know, people know that there's something going on. But if you're not walking around crying every two seconds or if they you're not, you're okay. they think you're okay, you know? Yeah. You know, and that was one of the things I wanted to talk to you about just because I know that you've overcome a lot of grief. And when I was 16, I lost my dad and mm-hmm. I never really grieved that until I was an adult. Mm-hmm. So all of that time from between, you know, 2000 and I guess it was 2001. And then maybe 2011, no, no, I'm lying, 2000, yeah, yeah, about 2010, I finally was like, okay, well, I need to, I need to look at this pain because it was the reason for all the other things that I had done that were kind of maybe erratic or careless or just reckless, you know what I mean? Right. So I think it's really commendable that you were able to, to keep yourself from falling into these patterns of you know, not wanting to face what happened, not wanting to deal with the pain and everything. And it was good that you had music to, to take you through that. Well, I did. I did. I don't want to give, you know, the misinterpretation that, or the misconception that I didn't fall Mm -hmm. into certain situations because I was very destructive. Mm -hmm. It's just, I was very quiet about my destruction. Yeah. You know, like. It was a personal. Yeah, I suffered through it. Like, my decisions weren't done in, well, some things took place in public, some things didn't. Um, I just, I never talked about it until um, I went to therapy at some Mm -hmm. point, and then I really talked about it in the book. I was going to say that. So, like, at which point in the grieving process did you start writing Phoenix Rising? Child, that book started getting, I started that book in the actual physical writing. I started in 2018. Um, the physical writing of the book took like maybe a few months. And I know that's probably insulting to writers who have spent <laughs> years and decades writing. 
but you know, I guess I had a lot of materials to work with, so it wasn't that complicated of a process for me. Well, it depends um, on what you're writing too. I mean, right, that was right. a personal story, so right. you had all the information already. You know, exactly. a lot of people write books; they have to go out and research, or they have to right. go out, and that was a personal story, so that wasn't required for you. So it's okay that it only took you a minute. You need to get it out. You know, but it 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 started. Um, I think, let's see, I first got the idea to write a book, maybe 2007, 2008, maybe, mm -hmm. around that time, um, just because, you know, at that point, I was still going through something, however, I looked at the, you know, the previous years of my life, I'm like, wow, my life could really be a book. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, at that time, I was still concerned with my image and, mm. you know, what people thought of Well, you me. were young, too, right? Right. I was, ooh. In 2007, I had to be, like, 24. Right. And 24. you were, like, early 20s, or really early 20s when your son passed away, right? Yes, I was 21. Okay. And so you were a teen mom, right? Yes. I had him at 18. Man, that must have been so, so, so traumatizing. Because you already had to, you were still a child, number one, kind of. Right. And then to build that bond and then be like, okay, I'm going to parent. You know, you've convinced yourself that now you're a big girl, you're going to grow up, and I'm going to parent. And then to just have that removed, I'm so sorry. I know that you have already grieved it, but as a person who's just being introduced to the story, mm -hmm. it was it was tough for me. I remember when we first talked you were like, well, you know, people said that maybe I should put a trigger warning on it. And I, I right. don't think that's necessary because I feel like that takes away <laughs> from the kaboom right. in the book. You right. know what I mean? But I felt for you, for the character, I mean, in knowing that you told me that it was based on your real life experiences, I felt for you. But right. for readers are going to be feeling for the character. Right. So I know you you made some changes when you wrote. What were things that you thought about when you were developing your book character? Um, some of the things I thought about um were how, how this would first impact my children mm -hmm. that I have now, and then I thought about how this would impact my family. I thought about you know the other people involved. My deceased son's father mm -hmm. you know things of that nature and then I thought about the people that may have been nosy at that time in life mm -hmm. and you know nobody ever got the details because I'm one of those people that you know how some people will say oh how did they die or, you know, yeah I'm not one of those people so you didn't and really want to share that no the incident. And, and, and the thing about it now, in the book, the child in the book dies a completely, totally different way from the way my child pays yeah. in real life. You know, because, of course, you have to, you know, sell your book. You know yeah. what I mean? And so... You feel, um, there was more drama surrounding the... Yes, the there, there was way more drama in the book. <laughs> and the book is way more dramatic. Um, so they still don't know. <laughs> no, they still don't know. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, they still do not know. And I mean, so it's personal. You don't have to share that if you don't want to. Right. You know? And then that was just my basis of my freedom, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, that's what kind of took the book in a different direction because initially I was going to do an autobiography style book. Mm. But turning it into a novel gives you like a safety net because that title mm-hmm. novel sort of covers you. Right. You know what I mean? It, right. it, it issues that creative license. So I'm able to give my truth. You know, in, in certain parts, there's absolute unadulterated truth. Yeah. You know, but unless you were actually in my life at that time, you won't really know. Which is which. <laughs> you know, I think that's kind right. of interesting, too, is it's like whenever you take your life and turn it into fiction, it kind of gives you an opportunity, too, to write out some of the, I wish I would have reacted to XYZ like this. Right. So right. in that way, kind of giving yourself some healing. Cause I think exactly. you did tell me that it was cathartic for you to write the it book. Absolutely was. It absolutely was. And you know, you look at situations, you think back on things, even the things that didn't make the final draft, mm-hmm. you, I was still able to address you know, some, a lot of the disrespect that took place at that time in my life that I maybe wasn't able to address then. Right. But, like with the girlfriend. You know, that, and then there were other, um, people yeah. that, you know, did things and that stuff didn't make the book, you know, but, but you were able to write it out in that. Right. And that right. was therapy. Exactly. Right. So, like, what would you suggest to people who are maybe not writing a book, but who, okay, so I'm going to put it like this. There are some people who need therapy, but won't go. Mm -hmm. We know that. But they might journal. Right. Uh, What are some things that you would suggest people write about to find healing? Like, just pick some traumatic event and start writing about it, or or do you think it needs to be, like, a, a something really significant, or else it's just pointless? Maybe that, know, that was kind of an odd question. I'm sorry, I had a mind. No, it's fine. It's fine. You know, I've journaled in life, and journaling didn't necessarily work for mm-hmm. me personally. Um, but I think that um, whether it's journaling by hand, whether it's starting a blog, whether it's, you know, everybody's phone pretty much has voice recording available, um, get it out. That, that I will tell anybody, get it out. And the second thing is do not concern yourself with other people's opinions right. of what you're dealing with or their response to how you're dealing with something. Because what you're dealing with, what you feel, how you feel, what you think, how you react is valid. And that is what irritates me the most with society as a whole, people will try to invalidate how a person feels based on their reactions to things. You know, because mm-hmm. a mother that loses her child, she doesn't care because she's not wailing and passing out publicly. Right. Well everybody isn't that's not everybody's response to things. You know, when my child passed away, when my mother passed away, I'm not a public crier. Mm-hmm. That's that's not me. 
I'm not, a, I don't show public displays of affection with, you know, happy things. I'm not a public display of emotion. Mm. That's not how I operate. And I'm pretty sure people thought I was cold hearted or maybe they thought I had shut down or I don't know. But I just, I don't believe in crying in public. And then another thing is that when you have a peace, and I'm, I can't find a better word, but when you are at peace with your relationship, sometimes all of that isn't necessary. Mm-hmm. You know, the times that hurt you are the quiet moments, the yeah. alone moments, the moments where the quote unquote work is done. You know, mm-hmm. after the arrangements have been made, after the purchases have been made, after the services have been had, right. you know, it's the everyday. Right. Issue. Right. Because that person or that, well, that person is missing from your right. regular um, routine. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. I think that was one of the things that was so hard for me is that I had to kind of be the tough person. Mm-hmm. Because everybody else was crying. It, it, see, that, and that's how it was with me. You know, when my son passed away, it was, you know, nobody could handle it. Yeah. And even now, looking back, it's like I don't begrudge anybody at this point. But at that time in life, I was highly offended. I was irritated because I'm like, nobody cared him for nine months. I did. Nobody pushed him out mm-hmm. except me. How are you more hurt than me? Well, and it's How, like they like can't I even had to feel make to arrangements be, by myself. Yeah, yeah. You know that yeah. part. And it's like, I and I could feel that in yeah. reading that all of that was really disturbing, especially in the way that um, the character reacted to her baby dad. And his oh, lack of no. assistance in, <laughs> in anything. I mean, and yes, everybody reacts differently to grief, mm-hmm. but like, where is your support? I right. mean, you can, you can use, you know, the universe, Heavenly Father, whatever you want to call it, you can use that, mm-hmm. but I can't also support you when no one's supporting me. You know what I mean? Because you're being right. you're expected to handle all the tangibles mm-hmm. and to support grandma and support right. people who feel like they might be any part responsible or right. anything. You know what I mean? It's like, what about me? Right. Can I have my moment? Can I live? Right. I, I think, didn't have that luxury. Right. You know, because that's a luxury. At the end of the day, I had to mommy up, woman up, boss mm-hmm. up, whatever you want to call it. And you were young. I, had, I was 21. Barely you know, old enough to tap up in a, a bottle of wine. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> you know, here it is. Most people, you know, they're planning. They're, you know, 21. They're going to Vegas. They're mm-hmm. going to the club because you can, you know, go straight to the bar now. You can go to the liquor store. You have all these quote-unquote milestones, and I'm planning a funeral. Right, for your child. For my child. And it's just, it was mind-boggling at that time. You Absolutely. Know, there was a lot of anger and resentment, you know, at that time. In Absolutely. Life. I'm, and you feeling know. like, I'm, I know I don't deserve this. I know all right. my good working went for nothing. I know this is not what I, this is what, not what right. I signed up for. But right. I think 
and this is not to, to be insensitive, but I think we experience things so that we can grow, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So you now we're in our thirties and are are you 40? No, I'm 37. Yeah. I was going to say you're not 40 yet, but, um, think of what you might be or where you might be if you hadn't experienced that growth at such a young age, you know what I mean? Having to handle that kind of responsibility, having to show up every day in the face of that grief for such a young person. I mean, that creates resilience in you, you know, that there's so many women that in our age who haven't lost anyone yet, right? who haven't had to fight themselves or, right. you know, to get through that pain. So I would say, I think it, I mean, it's probably turned you into a much stronger person. And I mean, look at how much you're doing now. You've already uh, decided to go back and uh, get started with on the rocks again. Right. You know, you, you look at life differently whenever you've been able to say, I can let something go. Cause I had to, you know what I mean? Right. It's, it's, um, you know, I, I say this all the time, and you know, it's probably I don't I don't I don't know. I hope this helps somebody when I say it. But the mother that I was, the woman that I was at twenty one, I'm so far removed from her at thirty seven, mm-hmm. and not because of the numbers. You know, because age is nothing but a number, right? But the things that I've had to endure and just, you know, that time of not being a quote unquote mother, Mm -hmm. you know, when I didn't have any children, those years in between my first son and my now oldest son, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of time of reflection and the mother that I was in 18, 19, 20, 21, my son, I loved him dearly. But looking back, he was like a glorified accessory. Yeah, super cute. Right. Double dressed. (laughs) Name brand. Yeah. You know, mind you, this child was being raised by two adult children. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm the baby of my family. His dad was the baby of his family. We were both spoiled. Mm -hmm. And, you know. He was going to be too. He was going to be a mess. You know, it's, <laughs> you know, the thing, like, we were the parents, like, I know you see this nowadays, but we were the parents that would dress a child in all white and go to a birthday Barbara, party, yeah. like, don't you dare get dirty. Because oh, we want <laughs> like, you to be cute. Just unrealistic. Yeah. Just unrealistic. Like, I can't even dress my child in red and expect her to, to look exactly. ugly. This is insane. Or the amount of money you spend on these labels for a child that's only going to wear for like two seconds because they grow so fast. You know, it's just... Do you think you would have learned any of that had he uh, he still been here? Absolutely not. And I don't want to say that like I think, oh, that's your lesson. Because I don't know. You know, and you don't know. know. I honestly don't think I would have learned that for one because I would probably still be in that the relationship. Yeah, on and, and were y'all on and off for real? Like no, we we were on, we were on. I got pregnant. Uh-huh. We were off because, mind you, I was fresh out of high school. Yeah, he was in college. 
and <laughs> like Both this just, was not supposed to be happening. Yeah, we were having fun. Yeah, and, uh, I didn't. I hadn't even experienced the world yet. Mm-hmm. You know, and so. I was still being in a relationship. And while it was a great relationship, it's just one of those relationships that was not meant to go into adulthood. You know? Yeah. And then and just so, in thinking about the, how probably how painful it was to end that relationship. And now you're probably like, child, please. You know what I mean? Right? <laughs> it's like at the time, you know, at the time, this is all I knew. Mm-hmm. You know? My life went from being a carefree kid, trying to figure out, okay, where I'm going in life, what am I going to do, what I want to do, because now I'm going to have freedom to make my own decisions. And, you know, went from that to, okay, I'm pregnant. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, I thought I was going to be a single mother because, you know, my, me and his dad had broke up. Yeah. But then once the baby got here, we got back together. We were a family, you know. Mm-hmm. We, grew up we moved in together we were living that life and mind you we were surrounded by our friends who were carefree and childless right (laughs) you know and so it's like we're the quote-unquote (laughs) semi-adults looking at them like life is not fair right right (laughs) that's what we're supposed to be doing and then you know then they started having kids, and it's like, okay, well, we get acclimated to our situation. And, you know, like, we were struggling, but we were okay because we had the foundations of his family, my family. Right. But then he died mm-hmm. and unexpectedly, and neither of us were prepared. You know, I don't think it ever, I don't think it ever goes away. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, the birthdays passed. Yeah. Like, this year, he would have been graduating and going to college. and Well, no, he would have graduated last year and been going to college this year. And, you know, you, you think about things like that because, you know, yeah. I think that had, have mm-hmm. children the same, same age, age. would have been. And, right. You know, you think about the very people that, you know, not everybody, but majority of people that go above and beyond for the proms and, yeah. you know, the graduations. Like I would have been right there. Yes, you, you probably would have. You know the very same thing, and I'm just like, I'm thankful that it happened. You know because my priorities are different. So you, know? you feel like? I mean, I feel like that's an amazing way to look at that. You're like, it was a experience that did bless you because it grew you right. past superficiality. Yes. Yes. You know. It did. And it's because like I'm more focused on like right now. My first child didn't have life insurance. I didn't have life insurance mm-hmm. anymore because, you know, my mom was like, okay, some things you have to be responsible for. Mm-hmm. So and you so were like, I'm not paying for that. Right. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I'm not, you know, at 18, you think you're invincible. You know, you don't, you don't think you're going to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's not a priority. I'll just tell her I still have it, but I didn't. You right. know, it's, you don't think about things like that. Whereas now, I have a will that I update every year or yeah. every major change in life. I have life insurance for myself and the children, mm. you know, just in case. Because those things, because some things are inevitable. And even if they don't use it until they're well into whatever, it's there. It's, took, it's taken care of. You know? Yeah. And, and it's just certain things like I, I put... I don't put priority on them appearing to yes. be a certain type of child. 
I let them be children now. I didn't do that with my first. And I know that sounds so crazy because my first child was so young. But he didn't have the opportunity to just be a baby and be a child. With these children, I allow them to be children. They still have responsibilities. Yeah. But I'm a totally different mother. You know, I'm focused on the end goal. I'm focused on the end game. And I, I structure our lives to where, like, okay, we're serious, serious, serious. Okay, it's time to take a break. It's time to decompress. It's time to be a child. Be your age. Be age appropriate. So, so you you're know. still you're still on that. This is the expectation that I want you to meet, but we can also have fun at the same time. Right. That's right. good. You know, I'm really proud of you because I feel like you have an amazing outlook on having lost a child anyway because you are talking so openly about really how you were failing before then or not necessarily failing but what you were what you're doing you know as a young woman i mean i had my first child at 21 too and he's 14 now and he's extremely entitled oh you know but it's because i was a young woman right and i and i was an overgrown child having a baby it it happened i I don't care what nobody says it it does happen you know i saw yesterday that brian mcknight was actually talking about Two of his kids that kind of called him to the carpet saying that Mm -hmm. he was abandoned or something that he did. And they tried to call him a deadbeat. Right. And he was like, basically, these some small brats. Right. And I mean, and it happens. So, I mean, it's big ups to you for recognizing that that's what probably his life would have been like, how your life would have been. Right. And another thing, you know, I think that's lacking in society. We don't like to be... We don't like to lose. Yeah. For a parent's sake. You know, everybody's always winning. Everybody's no. perfect. Everybody, no, nobody makes mistakes. I make mistakes. I'm yeah. Close. And, I, I and you know what? Right. So do they. Right. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, and I'm open to admitting it. That's exactly. Like, exactly. I don't have a problem talking about, you know, my failures. I don't have a problem talking about my inadequacies. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem talking about the difference between my parents and then and who I was then. Right. And, you know, versus who I am now. You know, I don't have a problem with discussing the horrible decisions I made at that time. Yeah. And most people can try to, you know, most people give me this quote unquote pass. Oh, well, you were grieving. Oh, you know, I didn't. I didn't grieve. I did not right. grieve. That's a if way I later. Would have been grieving, right. If I would have been grieving, I would not have made the decisions that I made. You know. Right. Because you would have been putting yourself and your real feelings at the forefront right. of whatever it is. Right. I don't think people know how to grieve, honestly. You don't. It's a process. And then especially if you don't, if you have, like, the the woman that I am has a lot to do with my mother being the woman she was. Yeah. She rarely showed emotion when she was Mm. when she was upset or something wasn't going right she never saw she was superwoman in that regard Mm -hmm. and i do not want to emulate that any longer Mm. and it happens by default because you know then at that time it's like my mother she had took off when he died my mother took off from work she stayed with me but I could see she was going stir crazy because she was one of those women. She don't know how to not work. <laughs> and know? everybody should have just, y'all probably should have just hugged and cried. And we, we, we didn't. Yeah, I know. We, we did not. You know, and she would try. Now, on her part, I would give her this. She did try. 
Mm-hmm. You know, she did way more than anybody else at that time. And I get it. You know, that's, that was a tough thing to deal with. You know, yeah. a baby so young. And, you know, I never held that, you know, against anybody after I came to terms with it, after I got closure. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I told my mom, I was like, Mama, go back to work. You know, I'm okay. I'm blah, 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 blah. Instead of, I need. you know, I started, instead of just saying, you know what, I'm not okay. Yeah. And just It does hurt. Mm-hmm. And right. And, you know, but you have to be taught that. You have to be taught that it's okay to say that you're not okay. Well, and you, you have, have to, to be, be taught that, that saying I'm hurting is not weak. You know what I right. mean? Right. Right. Because and that's another thing that people, we do not. Right. Oh, we do not discuss it. If you cry, if you say you're not okay, you're considered weak and you right. need to get off it. And that is just BS. It's BS. Because the emotions that we're given as human beings are there for a reason. Yeah. That's, a, that's the, the intention is for us to be able to feel all of those things because right. feeling those things lets you know, I don't like this feeling or I like this right. feeling. This is what I like. This is what I don't like. And it right. helps you to create your life. Exactly. Because when you avoid it, you create a destructive path. Right. That, you know, you're not being logical. You're not making decisions that you would make if you were actually processing the emotions as they right. should be instead of running from them. Exactly. You know, if you were living authentically. Right. And I'm guilty of that. You know, a lot of the, not a lot, all of the situations that I got myself into following the death of my child were completely based off of the misdirection of the, my response to my emotions. Yeah. And not processing that I'm supposed to hurt. Yeah. I'm supposed to, you know, feel a certain way. I'm supposed to, you know, cry because here it was one minute I've accepted being an adult and being a mother right. and this is my life and being a quote unquote pseudo wife. And, and now I'm know, not. I, and now I'm not. Just that And past. I don't know what to do with my And baby. my baby's just gone. That, just and that baby. Yes. Yes. Uh, I feel like. I I mean, like in losing my dad, it was traumatic, but I don't know how I would be able to come out of losing a kid. Like that was one of my, one things that I was afraid of when I had my son was that something mm-hmm. would happen to him or that he would get sick. I don't know why that was my first thought. Cause I'm neurotic and anxious, but I'm always like, <clears throat> Oh, I, I would be devastated. If, and sometimes I'm concerned that maybe that's what I manifested for my life, you know, like a loss like that, just because I have focused on it a lot because I'm like scared of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But in talking to you, it's like, I mean, yes, it's traumatic experience, but you can still live after that. You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It's not as with any, because pain is relative. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's just what may not impact me as much may destroy you. Right. You know, not bother you could destroy me. You know, so it's all relative to the person. However, I I truly, truly believe that a lot of times um, the pain of dealing with the pain of dealing with certain situations 
like a death or whatever the case may be. It's just, it has to be processed. It just, it has to be processed and it has to be processed head on and you just, you cannot avoid it. I agree. You know, yeah, it just can't be avoided. Well, you, and when you look at people and how they act, I feel like sometimes you can pinpoint people who are kind of running away from grief. Right. Um, or even, or any feelings. True. Because of the way they react to maybe comments that you make about something they might have done or, you know, even just any mention of how they feel. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Like, I find myself sometimes falling back into that. I'm okay. I'm okay. But I'm not. You know what I mean? Like, there are things that I need to feel. Um, you know, like recently we found out some things about my daughter and, you know, she's going to struggle in school. And I think she's smart. Personally, I think she's extremely intelligent. The things that she does are, are way beyond me. I'm like, wow, girl, that was amazing. But for the school, she's going to fall. You know what I mean? And so that's, I had to come to terms with accepting that we would have a different life than the one that I imagined. You know what I mean? So I'm not okay. So if anybody's listening to this, <laughs> they think I, I'm acting erratically. I'm, I'm dealing, I'm dealing, you know, because I'm human. And I appreciate this conversation with you because you're helping me to, to, to accept that. You know, and I want people to know that this show is me talking to people that I think are brilliant and doing amazing things and dealing with life in an amazing way because I'm on my own course correction. Right. So I just wanted to put that out there. You know, with your, in regards to your daughter, one thing I've learned as far as school from myself and my struggles in school to, you know, now watching my children. School is overrated. Yeah, man. It's, it's, it's overrated, and you have to remind yourself constantly that don't put too much stock into basically them trying to evaluate and validate your child. Right. Because right. Because the typical learning process does not work for everyone. Mm-hmm. Everybody. You know? And that's the thing. That's what That's what frustrates me so much is that. There's this one test and mm-hmm. one track that everyone's supposed mm-hmm. to be on. That's impossible. Mm-hmm. Humans are not created that way. Exactly. So don't put don't put too much stock into that and don't give too much energy to, you know, this standardized cookie cutter, you know, definition of what someone's telling you in regards to your child. Right. I appreciate that. Now, if you if you feel that she's if you feel she's brilliant and you feel she's intelligent, it just may not be this particular area or this teaching method that's reaching her. Right, and I you think know, that's because, part of it. Because in high school, I I was very disinterested mm-hmm. in high school in certain subjects, you know, because they have this cookie cutter way of teaching. Whereas when I got to college, I flourished. You know, I was on the dean's list and, you know, I was excited about going to school, you know, in college. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that that's, and, but let, you know, like the counselors, my high school counselor, she, she literally told me, 
that I would never amount to anything. See, that's bullshit. You know what I mean? I mean, why would you, why would you tell that to another person? Because I didn't fit the cookie cutter model. I hate it. I hate you that. You know, I'm, I'm an artsy creative mm-hmm. Right. And, but, you know, most of society doesn't know what to do with the creative person. No. The oh, creative, really. creative person is, is <laughs> right. Right. They have ADHD. They can't focus. They, yes. The creative is a scary individual. Mm-hmm. Society because the creative person is always thinking. Yeah. The creative person isn't afraid to try. Mm-hmm. The creative person is not afraid to fail. Right. You know the create, but the creatives are what makes the world go wrong. Right, because we're the doers. You have. If it wasn't for the creative person, you wouldn't have the light bulb. You right. wouldn't have gas. You wouldn't have cars. You wouldn't have any of this you know, shit. Not nothing. We would still be living outside. Right, in <laughs> or in caves. Yeah. Or, you know, the creative creatives are needed in society. Right. You know, period. And, you know, I have, all of my children are creative, but one is more artsy mm-hmm. than, you know, the rest. And I know that's going to frustrate me <laughs> with the school aspect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I don't want him to lose sight of it's okay to be creative we just have to find what avenue that that's going to flourish in right you know and 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 nourish it you know so whatever avenue don't don't let you know society give whatever this school person is telling you in regards to your child you know you are with that child you've been with that child every day Right. Of life, of existence. You know her. Right. You know? So I honestly would suggest just being encouraging to her because she has to go out there and deal with these people who are going to say and imply and, you know, body mm-hmm. language, you know, and vibe her into a bad space. And I don't want that for her. But we have to have those things to learn. I know. That's her experience. You know, I can't, can't. you know, I was talking to Fernando, my friend, he's a psychic. And when I found out uh, kind of the test results for everything, I was, you know, understandably kind of upset just because that's my baby. You know, I don't want her to struggle. I don't want her to have to tough it out. I don't want people talking about her. You know, the whole mom, the whole thing. And he's like, well, you have to understand that this is her experience. You never know what, right. what she experienced previously. She could be wanting to, to relax or she could be wanting to, you know, whatever, whatever it is. I don't know what her experience is. All I can do is try to be whatever I'm supposed to be as a component. Right. So, um, I'm trying to turn off my controlling mom thing and just let her be as, her she's going to be now i think that she could read people's aura i think Mm -hmm. that she is intuitively psychic i think there's all these things about her that i think Mm -hmm. are amazing but will never fly in public school of course so it's just a a matter of us having to come to a place where we can kind of balance it all so that's you know she's going to be in first grade so we've got a lot of years to work it out i guess (laughs) But it's, she, she's going to be fine. You know, it's just the, the main thing you have to protect is not allowing her to ever feel 
diminished. Right. Or, well, maybe she she might feel it, but not allowing her to stay in that. Right. And not allowing her to embrace that and not allowing that to become dominant right. in her life. You know. See, she's got a pretty good grasp on thinking that she's the shit. So I'm I'm okay with that. So she she's, oh, she's fine. Yeah, she thinks she's like, well, that's not what I thought, but you thought it, but it's still wrong. So whatever, you know. Oh, she, but she <laughs> listen, as long as you can keep her in that space, she's gonna be good. Right, she'll be able to handle whatever comes her way. Right, like whatever, like because that was my main concern was that okay, well, she's gonna go to school and then kids are going to bully her or they're going to do this and but she's like not like me like I'm right. a much more sensitive per, like a, as an empath person I'm like so sensitive and mm-hmm. she's just like anyway fuck y'all I'm smart I'm this I'm fabulous and I don't think she'll have the issues that I had so I, I need to just you know let her have her experience and try to right. stay on the outside of it as much as possible because I don't want to interfere too much you know right and and that's all that matters. Um, she, I, I, I have that personality, and so <laughs> like your daughter, mm-hmm. and so <laughs> that's how I can tell you from experience. She's gonna be just fine. It's gonna be. See, I'm probably gonna be more upset about things than she would. Yeah, like, she'll come to you to vent just to get it off her chest, and you'll be the one that's like, oh no, we have to do this. We have to do that. And she's like, she's, I'm telling you, she's like, mom, I just need to vent. That's all. We're done. Yeah. She'll, she'll so, move past it. I think she's a lot, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say she's a lot stronger than me, but she's a lot stronger than me. Gotcha. Because, like I said, I, I've always been myself, but it was so easy for people to turn me off of myself. Right. As a kid, you know, and it wasn't until I was an adult until I was like, you, you kind of that nigga. So, like, you need to stop letting people turn you around. Right. And, you know, come and take you up. Too many niggas trying to take me off of right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, that kind of thing. Right. Like, you need to stay on you. And I don't right. think that I'll have that problem with her. And for somebody like you, which is how you were able to kind of combat all that you've gone through, is just by kind of remaining true to yourself. What would you say to people who are growing up like me, who need uh, a boost? Um, find somebody, if it's not a parent, find someone that you can trust that feeds their life into you, that feeds that encouragement into you. And because you definitely need that type of person. Um, I'm not so self-sufficient that I don't have that person. Um, but I think everyone should have that type of person, but especially those who are like you, mm-hmm. you extra need that one or two people. However, you know, but I know definitely if, if not more than one, you definitely need that one person that, you know, you can be you, you're safe with that person. And, you know, you can just, Speak your piece, speak whatever it is that needs to be said, and, you know, not be concerned with a fallout after, you know. Right. Well, you somebody you can talk to, you can be 100%. Right. Because that's another thing that I, I'm really big on now is talking. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like it's okay to vent to yourself and it's okay to journal. It's okay to, um, you know, record yourself if that, you know, that is that's a better version of journaling for you. Mm-hmm. But you need, you need a person. Yeah. You need a person. Right. You, know, you need to talk like, to somebody. Talk. Yes, because sometimes just talking about it out loud to a person that you know is listening, even if you come to the solution yourself, it wouldn't have been, you wouldn't have reached that solution if it hadn't been a person. Right, right. Well, right. And I think, I think that's where like the journaling kind of comes in. Mm-hmm. Because when you're writing, yeah, you're writing to yourself. But remember right. too that there's a higher being in you. Right. That came here with the answers that you're looking for. So sometimes True. they come, you know, in the writing. But I think when people are afraid of therapy, you don't have to go to a specific therapist if you're really, really afraid of it. Just talk to somebody. Right. You know, we want you Absolutely. to talk to someone. Absolutely. I think people hold on to a lot because they're like, ah, I don't need a therapy. Yes, you do. Everyone yes. needs a yes. sounding board. Right. Absolutely. You know. You know, absolutely. And I mean, some people have deeper seated issues that do require um, a professional. And there's right. nothing wrong with that, you know. I think nothing wrong with it. So, um, are you still in therapy now? No, I have not went for some years. Um, It was kind of like once I got back to me, Mm -hmm. and once I, you know, the new you, right? Once I embraced the new me, and once I regained. My identity, yeah. You know, I had really lost myself, and yeah. the, the insane thing is that it's it's hard to lose yourself, but it's even harder to lose yourself when you really didn't know yourself. Yes, especially when you're so young, you're like barely, barely, you barely know what you like, you barely know what moves right. you, you barely know what you're going to do, and then you have to start over from that. Oh lord. Right. And then it's like, you know, because sometimes you run into those who knew you from then mm. and they have these opinions yep. and they try to, like, you, that's not who I am. You know, I have became someone that I was, I've formed this identity based off of the people I surrounded myself with. Right. You know. And the growth that I experienced and the right and the trauma right. or whatever I had to go through exactly. to become this person. Exactly. You don't know me. Exactly. <laughs> like, how do you know me? I didn't know me. Right. So, you don't know you know what I showed you. Or you know what was coming through from what I would allow out. But you don't right. know me, you know. Right. Only the people we've let know us know us. So that's right. why I think it's important to reiterate that to kids, especially when people are trying to label them or give them uh, it, give them labels, give them information about themselves, picking on them mm-hmm. in school or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These people do not know you. You know, exactly. only you and you know you. And that will exactly. always be so. Exactly. You know, it's, it's it's mind-boggling it is but but thankfully um you know at this stage in life especially with not having a mother anymore i'm very very blessed 
to have, I have a best friend and I love her so, 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 so very, very much. Um, this is, she taught me and is still teaching me, mm-hmm. you know, how to be a good friend, you know? Yeah. You, I never, I never realized how toxic I was Aww. and how toxic people were around me. Yeah. You know, until and you have to like, meet somebody who comes from a different right, and then they push you to not only be who you genuinely are mm-hmm. because she pushes me to be my genuine self. That's good, but then she also pushes me to be a better version of my genuine self regularly because there should always be growth, there mm-hmm. should always be change. You should never remain the same, never, and. You know, I'm very, very grateful for that, you know, mm-hmm. because it, it, it's, there's a certain level of accountability and responsibility that I think people are lacking these days. Oh, yeah. And, you know, if you are surrounded by people who never hold you accountable and these are your friends. Those aren't your friends. You need, you need a better <laughs> friend. Yeah. Because if they're never telling you, hey, come on, you're wrong, or, you know, that's not cool, or you're better than this, or, you know, anything to make you look at yourself and look at your actions and say, you know what, okay, maybe so. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, even for me, too, is like, I've had people because, I mean, and I'm going to just be honest, like, I came from a place where everybody's anxious. I've talked about this before. Like my household, everybody was anxious and that's just the way it came down. You know, like grandma was like that mama. Mm -hmm. I am, you know, we all have it. Shoot. Kayla has anxiety. Every girl is like, Oh my God, the sky is falling. (laughs) So we just all just extra, you know? And it's like, I'm having to stop myself from reacting that way. I'm like, no, no, you don't need that. Right. You don't need that. And it's like a, a huge process because for so many years, you know, I'm 35 years old, but for so many years, it was like, act crazy. But right. it wasn't until somebody else was like, are you, do you know that, that, are y'all, are y'all crazy? Or, and I'm like, oh, well, maybe, maybe we shouldn't be reacting that way. But it wasn't until somebody else told me, hey, maybe you should, should look at how you react to that because if you're not, you don't need to expend all that energy. Right. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I definitely need good friends to tell you, to check you and be like, uh, turn your crazy just a little bit down. Right. Right. <laughs> you don't need that much crazy today. Right. Because sometimes, you know, you can't over-evaluate a situation. Yeah. You know, and you, it's, it's yes. I, I, I strongly believe in the check and balance system. You know, I'm not saying that to say that, you know, my best friend, I always agree. Mm-hmm. You know, because <laughs> sometimes... There are instances like, no, I don't agree with it, you know, and I'm adamant about how I feel and she's adamant about, you know, her, her differential view. Right. But, you know, it's not juvenile to where it's like, oh, you disagree with me. We're not friends anymore. Right. You know. But it does give you a a starting point to look at what happened, you know. Right. Because I will always be considering of her perspective and then through her and our relationship it teaches me to be 
observing other people's perspectives. Yeah. You know, I don't necessarily agree with a lot of the perspectives that people have on certain subjects that are near and dear to my heart. Mm -hmm. But if we're engaged in a conversation, I will consider another person's point of view. Mm. You know, and even if at the end of it all, I don't agree. Okay, I don't agree, but it's not going to cause me to be, oh, you're a hater. Or, oh, you're a childish. Or, you right, know? because sometimes people are just telling the truth. Or, I mean, right. and you got to remember that that's their perception. Exactly. So, if they're being, if they're perceiving it that way, then what are you giving off? So, maybe exactly. there's some truth to it. And if it's not, like, at least go back and look through it. If it's right. not, then you can say, well, maybe this is not somebody I want to have around me because... Exactly. Blah, blah, blah. Right. I'm exactly. Yeah. Totally agree. Well, what is the something that you want the listeners to know about you or the book? So, let's see. Um, In reference to the book, not to toot my own horn, but to toot, I think it's an amazing book for a writer fresh out the gate um like i said i had a cheat code because you know i didn't have to make anything up yeah and i didn't have to research like oh is this believable oh is this feasible is this possible you know i didn't have to do any of those things um i did write from a very weird perspective i've never seen this in a book um where you have two different viewpoints in one book Mm. Um, I have a first person point of view in the book and then I have a third person point of view so the the heroine the main character she's giving you the first person perspective and then you know the other characters it's a third person point of view you know uh, just for entertainment sake and then also um as far as with the other characters, a lot of information, a lot of the views, I wasn't necessarily privy to. This is just my opinion based on actions that I experienced that this was a person's viewpoint. You know, because I think actions are very telling. So mm-hmm. acts tells you a lot of what they're thinking and how they feel. Right. So these were, you know, my interpretations of you know certain actions that took place um let's see there's of course all names have been changed to protect the innocent and the guilty okay (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but i think it's i think it's an amazing amazing story um hopefully um ultimately my goal for the book is to inspire someone yes for entertainment don't get me wrong but ultimately the underlying story is saving grace you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and i want someone because the suicide rates are like ridiculously high these days and it is that's a subject that is really prevalent for me simply because I've considered it. Yeah. I've attempted it and I want people to know that that's not the answer. I know a lot of people will disagree with me. I know I'll probably be vilified for, you know, that seemingly judgmental opinion. Well, I mean, all you can really say about that is if you kill yourself, 
the shit that made you want to die still there? That, (laughs) That, and my viewpoint is this. I feel like every person that's in this world is here for a reason. Yeah. Whether you choose to embrace positivity, to be a light in somebody's life, or whether you choose to be a negative catalyst. Mm-hmm. Um, we need those still, too. Right. You still play a part in impacting somebody's life. Right. Um, I just, I, I don't, I just, I don't, I want the suicide rate to drop. And it's just kind of a, a perspective of this is everything that I've survived and I'm still here. And had I not been here, I wouldn't be here to tell you that I can overcome this. You can too. Right. Right. You know, whatever it is, you know, no matter what you're going through, no matter what it is, whether it's I lost my job, whether it's I lost, you know, my parent, I lost my child, I lost, you know, my significant other, whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. it will change. Period. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing stays the same forever. Good things don't stay the same forever. Bad things don't stay the same forever. I, there's no place in history where you've seen something stay the same forever. Right. And so, just hold on. Be persistent. Keep pushing. If you need to take a break, rejuvenate, revive, whatever the case may be, and then get back in the fight. So that that was my goal, you know, ultimately with the book. Um, and then as far as myself, um, nothing much new with me. I'm just trying to switch gears career-wise. Um, I kind of want to put myself in a position to be able to give more time to promoting the book. Yeah. And um, so I'm kind of leaving corporate America. <laughs> Again, <laughs> and going back into entrepreneurship full time, uh, you know, going back into my first love, the beauty industry. That was uh, where I spent majority of my time when I wasn't playing music. Mm-hmm. So I'll be back doing nails. Well, I'm actually already back, but full time towards the beginning of 2020. Okay. Um. But that's about it for me. I'm just wanting to focus on pushing this book. I was going to do like a follow-up book, mm-hmm. um, but actually come from the perspective of an autobiography. But I think I'll wait because I really haven't nurtured this one mm-hmm. as much as I should have. Yeah. So I'm going to, you know, spend more time with this one. I will definitely be doing something very special around the one year anniversary, um, which will be in November. Okay. But other than that, I just, you know, want to get the book out there because, you know, there are people that need to read this. Yeah. Read definitely. Because so. you, can, you can heal and things can change. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And another myth that I would like to kind of get rid of. There is this pseudo woke connotation that you can't learn anything from novels or non uh, or from fictional books or things like that. And I 
have, I seriously disagree with that. I have a serious problem with people that try to shame people for reading fiction. You can learn a lot from fiction. I've learned, I read fiction and nonfiction. And I've learned a lot of interesting details, more so from fiction than the nonfiction. Well, you know, I think when you learn or when you go to learn, when you decide you want to learn or however it works, Mm -hmm. if you're reading something that's fiction and it makes you think, I want to learn more about this subject matter. That right there has taught you something. Exactly. You know, so anything that makes you think can teach you. Exactly. So, I mean, that's nonsense to say that nonfiction can't teach because, I mean, we have whole books about, like, what was that? um, I don't know what it was called. Oh, um, A Wrinkle in Time. Oh, exactly. But it led a lot of people to look into spirituality. Exactly. You know, and that's not a real non-fiction book, you know what I mean? But it's still, yeah. it's the ideals behind whatever is being written that exactly. kind of leads you to look into it more. So exactly. definitely. So why don't you tell everybody how to find you and how to find your book, Phoenix Rising. Okay. You can find my stuff in the book by first uh, visiting my website, www.v as in Victor, S Griffin, G-R-I-F-F-I-N dot com. Uh, Instagram is at real V-S Griffin. Twitter, the same. Um, Phoenix Rising can be purchased at your local bookstore. You will probably have to order it um, as a special request, but it can be purchased from your local bookstore. Um, you can find it on my website. You can get it from Amazon. You can get it on Kindle. You can get it in the iTunes bookstore. Phoenix Rising is everywhere. And one day she's going to let me help her do an audible version. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I have, I was actually working on that. Um, but I had to postpone matters because, you know, it's kind of like doing an audio. You get people to do auditions. Yeah. And it's a lot of work. Yeah. It was it was getting to be a bit monotonous because I just wasn't finding the right voice. Yeah. And so I kind of was like, okay, let me take a break. I keep mm-hmm. running into a brick wall with this. So let me take a break and, you know, I'll revisit that again because a lot of people, you know, are into Audible. Yeah. Audible, Shoot. Audible, they charged me $16.24 last month. Oh no! <laughs> I had no clue. So I, yeah, I definitely want to tap into that market. I just, I need, I need that the right there voice. Are, yeah, I, there are a lot of nuances in the book, and so some things have to be tweaked. And so I kind of, you know, have to figure out which direction I exactly want to go in. But we will definitely. Yeah, we will definitely and talk about that. <laughs> yeah, for definitely. sure. Okay, so, well, I appreciate you letting me talk your ear off for for I'm an hour. Thank you. And I appreciate you coming to talk to the audience. And this was my first episode, you guys, where I brought back wine. So I'm a little bit um, whiny. But, <laughs> um, but I enjoyed talking to you and... I really hope everybody goes and checks out the book because it helped me. And this will help y'all too out there. Thank you. 
Thank you. You're welcome. All right. So that was this week's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Just make sure that you come back next week for a new episode and make sure that you uh, subscribe on YouTube so that you don't miss my course course notes whenever I'm able to upload them. That is (laughs) all right. Bye.